0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim La hawla wa la quwata illa billah laliyyil Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina wa nabiyina Abil Qasim al-Mustafa Muhammad Wa alihi al-Tayyibin tahirin La siyamu baqiyatillahi fil aradheen ajjalallahu ta'ala farajahu al-sharif wa ja'alana min a'wanih wa ansarihi assalamu ala al-husayn wa ala ali ibn al-husayn wa ala awlad al-husayn wa ala ashab al-husayn we first offer our condolences to imam mahdi ajjalallahu ta'ala farajahu al-sharif for coming of Muharram and renewal of the sorrow and grief of Ahlul Bayt and we very humbly say to our Imam that we share with you your great pain and suffering. We also thank Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that gave us this blessing to be able to witness another month of Muharram. Sometimes, when we have problems, issues, special requests, or if you want a new chapter to be opened to you in your life. Then you have to wait for Muharram, and it's a great blessing that we have these days and nights to polish our hearts, to ask Allah's guidance. So we hope that inshallah in these days and nights we would be able to get more than many other months from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala these majalis are great gates of rahma gates of maghfira that Allah has opened to all of us and we are grateful and we pray that inshallah our majlis and every majlis in every part of the world would be, inshallah, guided by Allah Himself. And speakers, reciters, mourners, sponsors, volunteers. Everyone, inshallah, get the best that anyone can get from this majalas inshallah. I've been thinking a lot about the topic for this Muharram And I was thinking of something that would be very beneficial for us, something that we can learn but also would be practical. We don't want just to learn some theory, we want also to learn something that we as individuals and as community, can benefit from. So I've been thinking a lot and asked many people to share with me their ideas, their suggestions. So, finally when I was in the plane and I was thinking and reflecting on Suratul Al-Ankabut then this idea came to my mind that it would be very useful to talk about divine, universal patterns. As Sunan ilahiyya Because as, inshallah, I will explain, there are many, many things that we can benefit from if we know how this world is functioning and how Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala treats us. So alhamdulillah, then my mind was settled, and I myself was very happy that alhamdulillah something came that would be relevant. So like you, I am also myself excited to see how these lectures, inshallah, would go. There are many, many things that alhamdulillah our ulama have said about this issue. But we want, inshallah, to also bring it down to our life today in the world, inshallah. So asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for guidance and assistance, we start, inshallah, with salawat ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. Uh, Normally, we use the term sunnah when we refer to the conduct, to the practice of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and you say one of our sources for understanding Islam is the Sunnah for example in our fiqh we say we have four sources, one is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Al-Qur'an. The second is Sunnah. Then we have Ijma' and Aql. So Sunnah normally it is used in this sense, which means sayings of the Prophet, or practice of the Prophet, something that the Prophet did, or Taqreer, implicit, agreement or approval of the Prophet. Something was done in the presence of the Prophet and he didn't object. This also shows that he was happy. Of course, what we can understand from deeds and implicit approval is different from what we can understand from a text, and this is something we learn in Usul. But with all the methodology which is involved, we can understand. For example, if the Prophet did something, it doesn't mean that it is necessarily wajib. It could be mustahab or it could be mubah. So you have to be careful. Or if something was done in his presence and he didn't object, this doesn't mean that this is recommended. So, So, there are some some technicalities technicalities here, here, but in in general, we can can benefit benefit for our 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 practice practice from the Sunnah of the Prophet. And we followers of Ahlul Bayt, of course, believe that the teachings of Ahlul Ahlul Bayt also uh, is an extension to the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the sense that we can learn the Sunnah of the Prophet by referring to the Ahlul Bayt. So this is a very common usage of sunnah. But when we look at the Quran itself, we see that in the Quran, sunnah is used in another sense. Sunnah is not used in this sense. Sunnah in the Quran is used 16 times in 11 verses. So, some verses more than once. So, in 16 occurrences of Sunnah in the Quran, what we find is that Sunnah means a general way, a kind of manner, a kind of style, which we will explain, inshallah, in these nights in 15 cases out of 16 it's about allah's sunnah the way he behaves the way he generally acts and there is one case which is used for someone other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is for the pious people so let me start with this one single case, which is n- not about Allah Sunnah, and then we carry on with the other cases. In chapter 4, Suratul Nisa, number 26. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يريد this verse is after the verse about marriage. Allah says, He wills to explain to you. One of the important things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He would not leave us wondering. He would not leave us without guidance. He always explains... In different ways, through our conscience, through our reason, through revelation, he explains to human beings what they need to know and what they need to do. This is very important. He never leaves us in a very ambiguous situation. If there's ambiguity, it means that there is a problem, in receiving the guidance, not in providing guidance. Like for example, if some people are starving, there's a problem in distribution of wealth, not in Allah's providence of sustenance. So if there are some people who don't know, there must be a problem in human level, not in divine level. As far as he's concerned, he has provided us with everything that we need to know. Lakum, And you know, in Arabic مزارة, present tense shows continuity. Yuridu means this is an ongoing wheel of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he wants to explain for you. Allah also wants to guide you towards the practices and the manners of the people who were living before you. So marriage is not something which started with Islam. Marriage is a sacred constitution that has been there and always moral, virtuous, committed people were committed also to marriage. So married life is not something which was started by Islam. Allah wants to guide you also towards the manners of the people before you. He also wants to return to you to accept your tawbah If you have done something. Before knowing, before Islam introduced to you what is a proper way of relation, then Allah is going to forgive or if someone doesn't know or anyway, made mistakes, wants to return sincerely. Allah is there to accept, Wallahu alimun Allah is knowledgeable and wise. So here you have sunan al-ladina min qablikum sunan is the plural for sunnah so this is the only case in the quran that sunnah is not sunnah of allah it's sunnah of people means the conduct the common practice the manners that previous generations of pious and god fearing people also used to have this is the only case. In all other cases, in 15 other cases, it is always about sunnah of Allah. But there is a very important point. Sometimes it is mentioned as sunnat Allah. It means that it is attributed to Allah as the agent of that sunnah, the one who has established that sunnah. Sometimes Allah attributes to the people upon whom this sunnah was imposed or was, uh, you know, conducted by Allah For example, inshallah I will mention, sometime in the Quran you say, sunnat al awwaleen, this sunnatal awwaleen means sunnatullah fil awwaleen. So, every case other than this ayah in surah Nisa is about sunnatullah. I mentioned few of them to prepare our mind for this discussion, but then inshallah we will have a very uh, organized and classified sets of these sunnan as we understand from the Quran and the Hadith. Assalamu alaikum For example, in Surat Al Imran, verse hundred thirty-seven, Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "Qad khalat min qablikum sunanun." Before you, there have been some sunan, some universal laws, some universal patterns, some universal rules There have been there before. So you must travel and go around and learn these things. Learn from history and previous generations what can benefit your situation today. You know, we don't know that much about today. You know, many, many people, I don't think any person with a little bit of maturity and experience can say today I know everything that I need to know and I know what to do with myself, my family, my community. Everyone who has a little experience knows that we have to humbly acknowledge that we live in a very complicated age. We don't know exactly what we need to do because there are so many things that by the time we want to learn them, some more things come. Everyone has to humbly acknowledge that we need guidance. We need also consulting those who know we need to exchange our experiences. Everyone would understand this about today, let alone future. What should we do for next five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? As a community, what should we do for next generations? It's very, very difficult. But the way the Qur'an tells us is, on the surface, present is very much different from past. And future is totally unknown to you, on the surface. But if you can go deeper, then you would see that there are universal laws and principles that govern past, present, future. And if you manage to find out those rules, you can apply them today and prepare yourself for tomorrow. This is the beauty of this world. Like for example, today there are cars which are very modern and new. The cars that we have today are very much different from the cars 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And we don't know what type of cars are going to come after 20 years, 30 years. So if you look at the surface, you would be Very confused and perplexed. What am I going to do as a, for example, a repairman, as someone who has garage, you know, someone is going to drive. But if you go a little bit deeper, you see that there are rules of mechanics and electronics and then under them rules of physics and chemistry and under them rules of mathematics that are not going to change. If you know them, you know that we are not entering from one world to a totally different world. No, we are in the rooms of the same house. We are going from one room to another, one floor to another floor. not to a totally new building. So if we want to prepare ourselves for future, and also be making proper decisions today, we need to look at the past, look at the Quran, which has also simplified for us this, instead of just leaving us to learn ourselves, Quran has highlighted these rules, and then equip ourselves with these, so that we act properly. Amir al-Mu'mini, he says that, I have so much looked at the history and lives of previous generation, to the extent that as if I have become one of them. Why? Why, 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 why? why history is so important? Because fr- from history you can learn things that would be general. Names, individuals, places may not repeat. Yeah? We don't need to go back for example to Iraq year 61 after hijrah that is not going to repeat but there are principles and rules there that are repeating every year when we say this means that you have to go a little bit deeper don't be preoccupied with the surface and then you would see this is Happening everywhere and every time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qad min qablikum sunanun. There have been general patterns before you. You must travel. We need to travel in space and in time. Yeah? So you have to travel today to different parts of the world or read about them. But also you have to go to the past. It's not just enough to know the contemporary world. You have to know about previous nations, previous civilizations, previous dynasties, kingdoms, all these فَانْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ الْمُكَذِّبِينَ You can learn many things, but one of the things that you must make sure you don't miss, otherwise you just fill your mind with some names. One of the things that you have to always find out is to find out what was the end of مُكَذِّبِينَ The people who rejected the truth. This is a very general pattern, and inshallah we will explain this. You cannot fight the truth. You cannot reject the truth. Maybe you can ignore the truth and suffer and lose, but still continue. But if you want to fight the truth, you know, sometimes I don't believe, but I don't block the way for other people. I don't create problems for the people who want to follow the truth. I just don't want to benefit from the truth. Okay, I'm going to lose and suffer a lot, but maybe I can continue. But the people who are mukazib, not kazib, the people who are denying the truth, And accusing those who are with the truth that you are liars. Like the people who rejected every prophet. Every prophet who came, some people didn't believe, but some people went further and they did takzib. Means they denied and rejected them and fought against them. Allah says, كَيْفَ كَانَ What has happened to them? Have they managed to survive? Not only they have not managed to survive physically and worldly, but even they have not managed to survive in memories of people with respect. Sometimes people maybe promote tyrants of their own time because there is a benefit. Yeah? If I am benefiting from a tyrant, I would praise. But alhamdulillah, the good thing is that no one praises the tyrants of the past. Because... They cannot benefit from them. So in the time of Muawiyah, some people were flattering him, praising him. There were poets. There were, you know, speakers. But who is praising Muawiyah today? Not many. Only maybe people who are really confused. Or Hitler. Or Namrud. Or Saddam. Sooner or later all the whales will go away. And people would not praise such people. So, look at Aqibatul Mukazibin. This is one ayah. This is Surah Ali Ibran, verse 137. Another ayah is in Surah Kahf verse 55. I am just choosing some samples because there are, as I said, 15 cases. We mentioned only three. So this is the second. وَمَا مَنَعَ an أَنْ يُؤْمِنُوا إِذْ جَاءَهُمُ الْهُدَى وَيَسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّهُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ تَأْتِيَهُمْ sunnatul الْأَوَّلِينِ أَوْ يَأْتِيَهُمُ الْعَذَابُ قُبُلًا what stops people to believe when guidance comes to them? This is a very sad phenomenon. When guidance comes. And you know, in the Quranic terminology, when Allah says, means, It was really something that every person with average or maybe even less than average understanding could see that this is true. It's not that they needed to be a philosopher or well-educated to understand. It was always it was very clear. They could see miracles. They could see great personalities that no one could doubt their genuineness. Guidance came to them. But they didn't accept. Why? The reason they didn't accept is. Because. They didn't want to. Lose. Their false. Palace. Their false kingdom. Their false ideal world that they had built for themselves. They thought, if I believe in this man of God, I would lose my dunya. I would lose everything that I have worked hard to build over years. So they had made a sodo ideal situation for themselves and they didn't want to lose it. But the reality is that this is not going to save them from the real harm. Harm, harm. You know, if you imagine that you are well protected, but you are not really protected, a bullet comes. You think you are well protected, but the bullet would hit you. You think you are very safe in dunya, but Allah says, azab can come. Either like the way that previous generations were destroyed or in akhirah. Because sometimes azab comes in dunya, like what happened to some generations, like Samud, like Ad. <laughs> Sometimes Azab comes in Akhirah. So they didn't believe, they didn't do istighfar, they didn't ask for forgiveness, and this led them towards punishment. So Allah says here, and Sunnatul Awwalin. This is the, the part of Ayah that we want to reflect on. Sunnatul Awwaleen means the general manner, the general pattern that happened to the previous generations. In other words means Sunnatullah fil Awwaleen means the way Allah treated the people who were before you. Okay, so although it is not mentioned sunnatullah, but it means sunnatullah fil awwaleen. Because sunnah has two sides. The one who runs and imposes, the one upon whom this is imposed. So Allah is the one who is in charge and these previous generations were the mm, subject of it. And the last ayah for tonight, this is actually two ayah, forty-two and forty-three of Suratul fatir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the pagans used to say that if a Prophet comes to us, we would believe in him and we would be better than any other nation. وَأَقْسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ جُهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ لَإِن جَاءَهُمْ نَذِيرٌ لَيَكُونُنَّ أَهْدًا مِنْ إِحْدَ umam. They said, if a warner, a prophet comes to us, we would be better than other generations. But فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ نَذِيرٌ مَا زَادَهُمْ إِلَّا نُفُورًا Many times, you know, we claim something. But the reality is different. Many people you know, said, if Imam Hussein comes, we would be the first you know, people to support him. Or now we say, if Imam Mahdi comes, I would be the first person. But these are claims. They have to be tested. These people said, They said we would be more guided than other generations, other nations, other people. But when the Prophet came, then what did they do? Mazadahum Illa nufura. It didn't increase them except running away, escaping. They didn't accept the truth. They didn't welcome the truth. They were arrogant. They wanted to have some high position in this world, and they found this to be against that. They thought a prophet would come and add to their worldly position. (laughs) You know, they had everything. It was just better if they could have also a prophet who supports them and legitimizes whatever they had. (laughs) Because normally people want someone just to give them some legitimacy. And if someone you know says, no, you are doing wrong, they don't accept. Like, you know, the people who were waiting for Isa Alayhi when Bani Israel, they thought when Isa Alayhi salam, comes, he would be their king and would just defeat their enemies. They didn't expect Isa comes and start correcting them first. So these people also thought if a prophet comes, just would add to the power and money and wealth of Quraysh. But when Prophet Muhammad sallam came. Muhammad, and it started with educating them and asking them to stop their bad practices. مَا زَادَهُمْ إِلَّا نفورا. It just added to their hostility and they wanted to go away. But not going away in the sense that leaving the prophet alone means going away from guidance and coming with misguidance to fight the prophet. And they made plots against the guidance and the people of guidance. And then Quran mentions one general sunnah. Inshallah we will talk about this in future. It's a very important sunnah. لا يحيق المكر illa إلا بأهله This is a general law. If someone makes a bad plan, a vicious plan, sooner or later would come to himself and his people. Maybe in the short term, there would be some success in the short term. But this world is made in the way that there can be no endurable success based on fake realities, based on vicious plans, based on lies. There is no endurable success in dunya. This world reacts. This is very important, inshallah will explain. This world is not neutral. That you do mischief or you do you know, good things and the world just tolerates. No. The world is made in the way that gives you some chance. But if it is taken to a radical stage, it would combat you. The whole creation combats you. لَا إِلَّا So vicious plans and plots would only come to the people who have made it. فَهَلْ يَنظُرُونَ إِلَّا سُنَّةَ الْأَوَّلِينَ These pagans, are they expecting anything other than what happened to the previous generations to happen to them? If they knew history and had learned their lessons from history, they would not have done this. Unfortunately, every Faraon thinks he is more clever than previous Faraons. Let's <laughs> see, there is a way that I can have different end. If Faraon, Namrud, Yazid, they failed, I am more clever and I can you know, succeed. But the reality is that no matter how talented you are, how much power you have. If you follow the pattern that Fir'aun followed, your end is the same. There is no way to run away from this. <laughs> you would never find that the laws... That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this world would replace or would alter and change. There is a discussion among Mufassareen. What's the difference between Tabdil and Tahwil? Tabdil means to replace something with another thing. Okay? For example, if you cannot make wazu for salat, you make tayammum. Okay? Okay, okay, this is tabdil means tabdeelul wudhu tayammum to replace wudhu tayammum. Or for example in the Quran we have, yubaddilullahu <coughs> bilhasanat. People who are forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is a possibility that if their regret is a lot, Allah may transform their bad deeds to good deeds. This is tabdil, okay? So, lantaj sunnatillahi tabdila means these laws are not going to be replaced with other laws. But tahvil means change, not replacing, but changing. For example, you make wuzu in normal cases with washing your hand, face, all but then we have wuzuyah jabir. If part of your hand for example is injured and you cannot wash it, then you put a clothes and wash on top of it. Details of course are to be learned from Rasala. So this is a kind of change it's not replacing wuzu with tayammum, but means a change in the way you normally do your wuzu. This is tahwil, means change of the situation. These laws of Allah subhanahu wa taala, that like the one that Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "La yahiqul makruhsi illa ahli. or Allah says, lakana <laughs> Falsehood has to go. Or Allah says, Those who struggle on a way, we certainly show them a path. These are the laws that are not going to change. Neither they will be replaced, nor there will be some transformation in them. They are fixed. So, have peace of mind. Because, you know, imagine... If, for example, in the creation of nature, if the laws were loose, we were not able to predict anything. Why we can predict eclipse? Why we can, for example, say that if we make, uh, for example, train, a car, a ship, a missile, whatever, uh, uh, a spaceship, with these rules, it's going to work. Because there is a stability, there is conformity in the nature. Gravity works always the same. Yes, there are some details that if you learn them with those details, they will well, universal. Inshallah, I will explain there in future. That sometimes, one sunnah, can override another sunnah. Not in the sense that it changes the other sunnah. It means that that sunnah had a condition. And if that condition is missing, that it's not happening. Inshallah, we'll explain this. So, these sunnah, if you learn them, they are going to be universal, and they are going to be fixed. Neither they will be replaced with something, nor they would be transformed. So hundred percent you can trust them. And inshallah we want to learn these sunan in these days and nights, and also we will see how Imam Hussein salam, made his movement with consideration of these sunan. If he didn't know this sunan, he would not be making the same decision that he made but he knew these sunan and based on them he behaved in the way that success was guaranteed we not just need to learn these sunan inshallah and follow them and apply them second of muharram and tonight is the night of the second is when ahlul bayt alayhi reached karbala according to history it seems that they arrived in karbala on the 2nd of muharram karbala was not very well known place in the world at that time the local people knew karbala but it's not that people who lived in Medina or Mecca knew Karbala. They knew major cities in Iraq, but they didn't know Karbala. Local people knew Karbala. But the people who had knowledge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, prophets and Amirul Mu'minin, mumineen alayhi salam, before Imam Hussein, Entered Karbala, they knew about such a land. There are many hadiths about, for example, previous prophets. There is there are hadiths about Amirul Mumineen. I only mention one hadith that Imam Baqir alayhi salam says, and this is in Biharul Anwar. He says, when Amirul muminin alayhi salam was passing Karbala. Maybe it was the same time that in some hadiths was when he was going for Safin or coming back, maybe another time, maybe more than once. So when Imam Ali a.s. was passing Karbala, then he, his eyes were full of tears and he was going to cry and he said Hadha rekab him. this is where they are going to come down from their camels and be stationed here Hadha mulqa him. this is where they are going to set up their tenets and put their belongings. And this is where their blood is going to be shed. So, Amirul al many decades before that, is aware and knows the details and is already crying. So Imam Hussein was not only cried for after his martyrdom, even before he was martyred, uh, he was cried for. It is a very interesting sentence. Then Amir al talks to the soil of Karbala and says, You are the soil in which the love of Ahib, the lovers of Allah, and those who are loved by Allah, their blood will be shed here. You know, when someone is killed, normally you don't like the place that that person was killed. You hate that place, and you hate that land that he was killed. Yeah, You don't want to go there. But we don't look at martyrdom in this way. We look at martyrdom as a great achievement. And therefore the place in which some beloved servants of Allah become martyrs for us is a place of achievement and success. So we look at it as a very blessed place. It's totally different mindset. If they were just, you know, some people who were killed, and we were just looking at the negative side, we wouldn't have disrespect for that place. But we think that this place is so blessed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meets his beloved servants in this place. This is the meeting point of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his beloved servants. This is Mashhadu awliya Allah. This is where they were witnessing. The presence of Allah. And then they gave their life. And they became witness for. All of us. There is a. Farsi poem. I end with this. Tries to explain. The condition. Of. Karbala when Ahlul Bayt arrived in Karbala. Ba Yas Amade. The gardener has come. Karbala is a garden, but gardener was away. So now the gardener is coming to make this place the real garden, but he has to bring flowers also with himself. Because these flowers cannot grow in Karbala. These are flowers grown in Medina by the Prophet. And he's bringing these flowers to this land. Karbala, buksha ke Abbas, O oh, Karbala, open your hand to embrace Hazrat Abbas. Az Jawanan bar Falak, Fariyad va Leyla Rasad. khair Mqdam boye Etre Laaley Leyla Rasad. Karbala, say welcome to the flower of Leyla, to Ali Akbar. And all the youths who have come to you. There are flowers, but there is a blossom. And that blossom is in the hands of his mother. Karbala Gahwar Adku. In Ali Asghar. Where is your cradle? You have to welcome Ali Asghar. Zamzam hujjaj sarullahi as jam balast. These were hujjaj. Because you know Imam Hussein had gone for hajj. But because he didn't want to be killed in Mecca and the sanctity of Mecca be disregarded. So he didn't complete his hajj and made it Umrah, Mufrada, and left. But they are pilgrims. What is their Zamzam? He says, their Zamzam is from Bala from the jar of suffering and calamities. You know, in Farsi mystical literature, we have this that whoever is closer to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala, you know we say, Hafez says, Whoever is closer to Allah, they give him more from this jar. This is a special kind of drink. You have to give more away what you have. You have to suffer more. So their zamzam is from the jar of Musiba. Hajj du haji dar Karbala. These 72 martyrs, their hajj has to be completed in Karbala. But there is also a special fragrance that reminds you of the fragrance of Lady Fatima to Zahra. Where does that fragrance come from? <laughs> Karbala, set up your tenet. Because Zainab should not be left outside, Zainab must be in, tenet, and covered. Hamrahe shams Vilayat do Along with the sun of Vilaya, Imam Hussein there are two shining stars with this sun. These are two children of Lady Zainab. So, in such a day, all the beloved members of the family of Ahlul Bayt and their loyal companions came to this place to bless this place forever and to start from this day demonstrating what your love for Allah can do, what your commitment to the virtues can do, what your loyalty to your principles can do. So they started a demonstration that all human beings are going to benefit from that demonstration which they Offered in this holy land. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to understand our responsibilities towards this great sacrifice of Imam Hussein salam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us fulfill all the requirements of being a true follower of Ahlul Bayt alayhi salam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our Imam Zaman happy and pleased with us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give shifa to all people who are ill, especially to the illnesses that we may have in our body or mind or heart. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send his rahmah and makfra to all mu'mineen and mu'minat who have passed away, especially those who have rights upon us. Our parents, for parents, teachers, ulama, maraja, martyrs, the people who have taught us how to mourn for Imam Hussein, alayhi salam, how to come to these majalis, how to benefit from these majalis, May Allah inshallah send it Rahman maqfra to all of them and may Allah bless every person who is offering some help, some service for these majalis this year and in future, inshallah. Wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alamin.